I want you to take your copy of God's Word. I hope you brought your Bible along today. And, and I want you to turn with me to, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're going to go to verse 31. John chapter 8 and verses 31 through 38 this morning is where we're looking. As you turn there, I want to make a statement, one that may seem shocking, but is true. We are all slaves. We are all slaves. The question is, the question is, whose slave are you? Our passage today reveals just whose slave you are. Because we are all slaves. Let's look at the passage together and then let's examine it together. Verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, at the close of our study in verses 21 through 30 last Sunday, we saw that Interesting note by John about the response to what Jesus had been saying in verses 21 through 29. Verse 30 says, go back up to verse 30 where Jesus says, or where John says of of the crowds, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Today we pick up in verse 31 and we find Jesus speaking to those who John says in verse 30 were believing in him. And that causes us to say, wow, that's, that's tremendous. That's super. Praise the Lord. There are people believing in Him. And the passage before us, though, kind of gives us a little bit of a wrinkle, a little bit of a problem. The passage before us doesn't indicate that these people had saving faith in Jesus. There are some powerful truths here in this passage. And no doubt the truths Jesus pointed to here were intended to make these people stop and think carefully about whether they truly believed or not. To stop and to think carefully and examine their own hearts. And certainly this passage ought to cause us to do the same thing still today, to stop and think carefully and let this passage illuminate the truth for us and help us examine our own hearts. Let's look at verse 31. By what we hear Jesus saying in the verses before us, I I don't think that these were people who had true saving faith in Jesus. They may have seen Jesus as some prophet, and we've seen this repeatedly in John's Gospel again and again. People are moved by what He does, moved by sometimes His words, usually by His miracles, and moved by what they hear of Him. And they begin to follow Him. And then He speaks, and what happens is many reject His words. 
He speaks the truth, and many reject the truth. We look at verse 31, and I don't think, and we look at the following verses, I don't think these people have true saving faith in Jesus. They may have seen Jesus as some prophet. They may have seen some value in following Him around. Even, maybe, they thought He may have even been the Messiah, but I don't think they believed Him to be God. It's here in verse 31, Jesus makes clear an identifying characteristic of a true disciple of Jesus. Here's a true disciple of Jesus, Thirty-one, verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. Now what does Jesus mean by if you abide in My Word? What does that mean? He means, and what what... What we learn here, what we learn elsewhere in the Gospels, what he means is he means you need to obey the truth of the Gospel. That's abiding in the truth. That's living in the truth. That's the truth living in you. He means obey the truth of the Gospel. He means that those who hold to his teaching are true believers. Those who follow closely and hold to what he teaches. That is evidence that they are truly followers of Christ and not just followers around of Christ. So Jesus says that a mark of being a true disciple of His is that the Word has taken up residence in your life and you are Word obedient. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you always obey the Word. But, but a true follower of Christ, it will be true of you that the Word has taken up a place in your life where the Word speaks to you and challenges you and convicts you of sin. And you take steps of obedience, even if faltering steps of obedience. You, you are being changed by the Word. You are convicted by the truth. So Jesus says that a mark of being a true disciple of His is, is the Word takes up residences in you. You abide in the Word. You are Word obedient. And then Jesus points to a mark of the work of the Word. Look at the next verse. Verse 32. Here's a mark of the work of the Word in which you abide, and it's that you will know the truth. And you will be freed by the truth. Verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What what does he mean by that? Well, you know, in, in the world in which we live, it's very common in the world today to hear people repeat this as a quaint saying or, or kind of a passing statement about knowledge or about wisdom. I've heard it many times, and, and you probably have too. People just say, well, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free when we talk about truth or, or knowledge or, or wisdom or learning. And the way it's often meant is that those who seek learning will be freed by their wisdom. The problem is, you can read every book in the library, including the Bible, and still not have the truth which frees truly. You get that? I mean, you could be reading even the Bible and not have a belief in the words you read. You can read every book available to you, every book you have time for, and saturate your heart and mind with the world's wisdom and not have the truth which frees truly. The truth which Jesus spoke of. And what Jesus is saying is that 
It's His words that set people free. It's His truth which set people free. His truth believed on which set people free. When they understand and believe in His teaching, then they will be set free by the truth. The truth Jesus proclaims liberates people from something deep and dark. Something that causes great desperation in our souls. And and until we find the answer in God's Word, we don't know how to solve the problem. We are enslaved to sin. And, and belief in the truth of the Gospel, belief in the words of Christ, frees you from the deep, dark slavery of sin and ignorance in sin and spiritual death. Belief in and holding to the truth of the Gospel frees from the bondage of the slavery of sin. It's the, it's the freedom from which we, had, we rejoice in. Every Sunday morning we gather together and we sing songs and hymns of praise and worship. And those songs of hy- and hymns of praise and worship take us back to the truths of God's Word. The truths that we ought to be abiding in. And we know that's what Jesus means here because that's, that's where the conversation goes next. That, that by, the, by saying the truth will set you free, it's freedom from sin, freedom from bondage to sin and the darkness of sin. We know that's what he means. He goes there next after the crowd says something interesting. They answered him in verse 33. We are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now that's not really true. The Jewish people had they couldn't really say, I don't know what they were thinking. They, they were thinking something else. They weren't thinking human slavery. Because that, they really couldn't truly say that about the Jewish people. We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. They're looking to Abraham, though, as a spiritual leader, and they're they're offspring of this spiritual leader. So I think they're thinking in terms of spiritual freedom. So they say, how is it that you say you will become free? In other words, we're already free. What do you mean you're going to make us free? How can we become free? They're confused. Note their objection can't be that they they had never been physical slaves because, because their people had been. As a nation, what, what they're objecting to, I think, is that they can't see how they are enslaved in any way spiritual. And isn't that, isn't that the trap of sin? Isn't that the darkness of sin? That you think you're free as a bird. And you're trapped in your sin and you think you have every choice to make your own. And you think you can do anything you want spiritually or, or physically not. They can't see this. They, they're confused. They're objecting to something they can't even see. They think they're completely free and at liberty to do whatever they wish internally, free to do whatever they want spiritually, and yet in truth, just as Jesus proclaims next, they're trapped in sin. Note how Jesus graciously explains it to them. You can see their problem in their denial, really, the trap of denial, the trap of refusal to repent of sin is continued slavery to sin. And in their response of denial, these people show that they are still enslaved to sin. And Jesus is so gracious with them, he points them to the truth again. And he says, listen, this is very important. That's what it means when you see that. Truly, truly is an emphasis on this is exceedingly important. Pay attention now. If you weren't paying attention before, pay attention now. Verse 34, truly, truly, Jesus says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Sin enslaves. And this is why anyone who thinks 
they are free in this life to choose anything they want is sadly mistaken. You see, everyone, says Jesus, not someone, not some people, not a few people, everyone who, Jesus says, who commits sin is a slave to sin. You may think you have a free will to choose anything you'd like to believe or not believe, but that kind of thinking is not in line with the truths of God's Word because God's Word makes it very very clear that you do not have liberty to choose as you wish. You are a slave to sin. So all of your choices are darkened by sin. That's the danger of being stuck and trapped in the darkness of sin, entrapped in your unbelief. You may think you have the liberty to do anything you wish. And I think that's what these people are thinking here. How, How could you say we're slaves? You can't free us. We're already free. And yet they are indeed enslaved in their sin, as Jesus makes very clear. Over the years, we've all heard about how terrible and and wrong slavery is, right? We know slavery is, is not right. You know, there's something worse than slavery, human slavery. And it's right here. It's slavery to sin. This is far worse than human slavery. That's why Paul writes to believers in Romans 6, 12, and 13, encouraging them to be done with sin, to put sin behind them. He says, Let not sin therefore reign or rule in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death you get that? there's freedom death from death to life you're trapped in death and the darkness of sin and you're brought to life that's true freedom and your members he says to God as instruments for righteousness and then in verse 17 Paul reminds believers where they once were and this is why And we can see it in our passage also why we can say we're all slaves. The question is, whose slave are we? Paul says in Romans 6.17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin or of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And that little statement right there, who become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching... That, that's exactly what abiding in the truth and the truth abiding in you means. When Jesus says, those who are truly my disciples will abide in my truth. And Paul says it this way, you'll be obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you have been taught, to which you've been committed. But you know what? Slavery to sin is the worst kind of slavery because it destroys not just your body, but it destroys your soul. Slavery to sin is worse than human slavery in that it destroys everything, life, body, and soul. So Jesus points them to the difference between the slave and the son. Look at verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. To the contrary, the son remains forever. You see, the idea is this. The slave may be serving in the household of his master... He may be doing very well serving in the household of his master. But he may at any time, at any point in time, be sold by the master to someone else. 
Not so for the Son. The Son is always the Son. The Son can never be anything but your Son. The Son can never be sold and and not be the Son any longer. And then in verse 36, Jesus shows us that true freedom comes only through the Son. You see the change? If you look at verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. There's a lowercase s on son there. In my translation of the English Standard Version, maybe yours too. Verse 36, so if the son, who's that? Capital S, Jesus Christ, right? Sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, you think you're free, but you aren't free until the son sets you free. Only Jesus can free captives of sin. And if Jesus frees you, you can count on it. You're really free. And that's why Paul tells us in Romans 8.2, For the law of the Spirit of life, as the Holy Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. How does that happen? How do you get freed from the law of sin and death? Only in Christ Jesus. Only through belief in the Son. And in Galatians 5.1, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, turn from sin. Keep turning from sin. It's an act of ongoing turning from, turning to Christ and from sin. Turning to obedience and from rebellion. True freedom, you see, is freedom from sin and sin's penalties and sin's choices. As D.A. Carson notes, true freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do what we ought. And it is genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. You see, the one trapped in sin thinks, I'm doing what I want. But he's only doing what sin makes him do and causes him to do and leads him to. He makes choices, but he makes sinful choices. But as D.A. Carson notes, true freedom is not in the liberty to do anything we please, but in the liberty to do what we ought. And, and, the, and the, the freeing that Jesus creates in us frees us from, from the, sin, the entrapment of sin and frees us to do what we should, do what we ought, do what we ought to obey. You see, continued rebellion is evidence that God's Word, God's truth has not taken up residence in you. You look at your life and you say, I just can't stop sinning. I just keep doing the things that are opposed to God's truth. The question is, has the Word taken up residence in you? Is the Word changing you? Do you hunger and thirst for the Word of God? I would suggest if you don't hunger and thirst for the Word of God, you need to turn to Jesus and believe in Him and repent of your sin and trust in Him for eternal life and freedom from sin. We all have, I think, if you're a follower of Christ, you probably have times in your life when you when you don't hunger for the Word as you should. When you don't read the Word as you should. When you don't trust in the Word as you should. I'm not suggesting that those times are times for us to doubt whether or not we're God's child. But do you, but do you long to get back to the truth? Do you long to come back to the truth of God's Word? Do you long to be changed by the truth? You see, God's truth will truly set you free to do the things that you ought. But continued rebellion 
is evidence that God's word, God's truth, has not taken up residence in you. These people are still slaves of sin, and it's seen in what Jesus points to in their motives and actions. Look at verse 37 when he says, I know that you are offspring of Adam, or Abraham, sorry. He, he says, hey, don't bring Abraham into this. <laughs> I know you're offspring of Abraham, but yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You see, this is the danger of sin. Sin takes you places you ought not go. As someone once said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. So Jesus says to those who are seeking to kill him, You do what you do because my word finds no place in you. In other words, sin has taken up residence and not my word. Sin is having its way with you and you're having your way with sin. Sin has taken up residence and will not make room for truth. It's just as Thomas Adams wrote, Sin is the strength of death and the death of strength. See, sin kills Sin darkens. The father of lies only wants your heart to be darkened by sin and not illuminated by the truth that brings freedom in life. Sin is the strength of death and the death of strength. In other words, you obey the one you belong to. You you obey the one you belong to. That's why Jesus says in verse 38, I speak of what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Who's that? The devil. They're the devil's children. That's the difference between being God's child and being the devil's child. Look at the contrast there in verse 38. Jesus speaks only of of that which the Father has shown him He says, I speak of that which I have seen with my Father. I've been with my Father. And I speak of only the things that I've seen while while with Him. And you do what you have heard from your Father, the devil. Jesus speaks only of that which the Father has shown Him, and the child of the devil does that which he has been told by the Father of lies. You obey the one to whom you belong. Jesus shows who he is and whose he is by his deeds, by obeying his Father. I wonder, as you look at your life, is there this pattern of showing whose you are and who you obey, by by who you obey, whose you are and to whom you belong by, by who you obey? Is there evidence in your life? Is there this pattern of, maybe not a perfect pattern of obedience, and we, we never live a perfect pattern of obedience, do we? But, but steady progress in the faith. Maybe times when we've struggled in the faith, but, but we, we make progress. See, Jesus shows who He is and whose He is by His deeds, by obeying His Father. And those who repent or refuse to repent, those who refuse to turn to Christ, 
Those who will not repent and believe in the Son show whose they are and who they believe by their deeds. They obey the father of lies, the devil. They are sin's slaves. But you, can I speak to you? If you're a beloved child of God, if you're a child of God, you're a beloved child of God. That's a good thing, to be beloved by the Father. Beloved child of God, you are not to let the devil have his way or sin have a home with you. We're to be done with sin. By no means does it mean we're perfect this side of heaven. But it means we're to be going about doing the work of killing sin in our lives. Because Jesus has set us free to do so. His words are life and light. You are not to let the devil have his way or sin have a home with you. Will you be sin's slaves or will you be God's slaves? I hope you're God's slaves. We're all slaves. The question is, whose slave are you? Are there unbelievers here hearing this today? If you will not repent of sin and turn to Christ in faith, you will be forever sin's slave. There will be a day when Jesus says, even to those who go to church, even to those who did good things, if we did not believe in Him, repenting of sin and turning to Him in faith, even your faithfulness in church will not save you. Jesus will one day look and say, Depart from me, I never knew you. But if you repent of sin and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and saving of your soul, then you'll be God's slave. That's a good thing. Slave has this dark, evil undertone in our society, doesn't it? Slave. Slave. You don't, you don't like me saying it, do you? Slave. Right? We hear the word slave and we go, ooh, that's a, that's a deep, dark thing in, in, in the history of our nation. We don't want to be identified by that anymore. And it is a deep and dark thing when you're a slave to sin. But when you're a slave of God's. That's life. That's true freedom. To do the things you ought to do. And if you repent of sin and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and the saving of your soul, then then you'll be God's slave and as such, truly, truly liberated from your sin. Oh, how we need to be done with sin and liberated from our sin. Yes? I dare not ask you to raise your hand if you've sinned in the past week, right? Because we, we all would. But the power of Christ in you is the, is the freedom and the liberty to do the things that you ought to do. Because now you want to do them. You may struggle like Paul did. The things I want to do, I do not do. The things I do, I do not want. You know, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't do those things. Oh my, that's me, right? That's you. But if you're liberated by the Lord Jesus Christ, you are truly free to be His obedient child 
you will be free indeed because the truth sets you free. As Paul says in Romans 6, verses 22 and 23 to believers, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. I thought about getting a t-shirt that says slave of God. That would be unusual, wouldn't it? People would go, what in the world? But they wouldn't understand if they're not believers. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's an eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Life, true life, true freedom, only in Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Depend upon Him. Lean on Him. This week, turn back to the Word. Let the Word take up residence in you. Let it change you. Let it change your thinking. Let it change your desires and your passions so that they are more Christ-like and shaped by the truth. That's freedom. You will be free indeed when you trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the freedom that's ours only in Christ. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, the the hard, painful truth of your word when it says all who sin are enslaved to sin. That's a desperate thing to hear. Father, help us to see that all darkness and desperation flees when when we flee to Christ. When we turn to the Savior, when we trust in Him, when we believe in His name and believe in His Word and we repent of sin and turn from sin to Christ, the darkness is gone. The freedom is ours to obey, to please You, to honor and glorify Christ with our lives. God, I pray that that in this fellowship of believers, in, in Your church, You would be raising up a godly people for Your glory that as we leave this place each and every Sunday, as long as you tarry, that as we leave this place and go into a difficult and often dark world, that people would see the light of life and see that true freedom is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Father, we ask for Your wisdom, Your help, Your your encouragement, the encouragement and work of the Comforter, the Spirit, taking the word we've seen today and using it in our lives in a mighty and powerful way for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.